we doing, guys? Welcome to Fit Food Radio with myself, Matty Boy, and of course the ever so gorgeous, ever so lovely Keris Marsden. What are you after? Nothing. <laughs> Just love you, don't I? <laughs> Guys, um, we've got another cracking episode for you. Um, just going to put it out there from the off. Um, like, excuse any noise, uh, i.e., cars maybe in the background that you might be able to hear because we are sat in the living room at our current new home. Um, I say current new home because it's a very temporary arrangement. Uh, we're only going to be here for a couple of months, maybe uh, three months tops. And we are actually sat by the window in the living room, which is a really beautiful spot to sit because it gets lovely light, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, however, of course, it just means we are a little bit closer to the road. So if you do hear it, just ignore it and listen to our voices instead. <laughs> um, guys. You ever how you give a lot of unnecessary detail in sentences? I like to paint a solid picture for people. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's how I do things. If anyone ever asks us in the park how we got Hamish because he's an unusual breed, I've got my speech nailed. I know, my head almost hangs because I'm like, oh, God, this, Here we go this again. is a good 10 minutes with Matt. You go, you go well, one day, what would you do? <laughs> one day. We went up to Edinburgh and it's... I put my red jacket on. <laughs> it was a bit nippy out. So much I love my red jacket detailed. because it's not, it's not too thick that I get too hot, <laughs> but it just keeps me just right. I, I even noticed, like, the pensioners in the park, like, glazing over for all the time in the world. and like, get to the point, man. Yeah, but you know what? I sometimes use it as a bit of a deterrent, you see, because sometimes you meet people in the uh, in the park who are kind of wafflers themselves and then we're like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's and, and just I, you. I know that's a bit rich coming from me. What I then do is I kind of like waffle excessively because then I know that they probably won't talk, talk to, to me again. again. <laughs> you out waffle them. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll avoid me at all costs. They're like, quick, see them change direction. <laughs> I just thought you were going to tell the story of moving house. I thought this is going to take forever. Like, <laughs> that'd be a whole podcast. Just hit fast forward on your button now. <laughs> right. Anyway, stop waffling. Right. Should, yeah. should, should we get into it? Yep. Okay, guys. So, awesome episode for you, as always, if you ask me. And what we're looking at today, I suppose, is nutrition. Um, maybe going beyond just nutrition if you like and looking at a more of a how do you word it go on Keris how would you describe it well the, what we're going to do with everyone is is almost give uh, our listeners a nutritional therapy session with mm-hmm. a kind with a based on a functional medicine approach to help so, so maybe giving people a bit of an insight into uh, how you would work with a with a new client, client yeah. or potential and what you'd look at that kind of goes beyond your typical how much are you eating and how much are you exercising absolutely because I'm, I'm immersed in it all the time like <laughs> trying to keep up with the science which is changing all the time but <laughs> yeah I know um but recently after doing some consultations and just chatting with people it kind of reminded me that everyone's still focusing on things like calories macros and exercise and when I started talking about things like gut health and relaxing and coming offline and rebalancing hormones just through things like some deep breathing it was kind of um but you know a lot of people were really surprised by it and then I started to explain why and how the body works and how and ask them I always in consultations ask them quite personal questions and I could see them looking a bit like I do want to know about 
you know, my relationships and why do you want to know about what I was doing as a child? And it's because it all influences uh, or plays some role in, in, in some of the health symptoms you experience now and kind of influences how you think now as well. So that's I was say, like, it's not even just that, is it? It's, uh, it's behaviours that you might yeah, have now that, that could actually, when you think about it, go way back to yeah. when you were a kid and you're like, oh, Absolutely. that's stuck with me all this time. And when you think of things like... Um, eating habits, stress, and what you perceive as stressful, even your attitude towards exercise, so much of that was kind of laid down through childhood teens, um, you know, and, and some of it comes in, in later life, right? maybe you don't start the gym until you get a bit older and you have to. Um, but yeah, basically, so that's why I said to you, I should do a podcast where I, I kind of help you listeners um, sort of walk through the steps that I would with a client and you can start asking yourself some questions um, and there'll be loads of light bulb moments. There was for me when I first discovered functional medicine, I was like, oh my goodness, mm. Uh, but then also um, I became a bit guilty of, of kind of focusing in on, oh, so it's not the nutrition and the exercise. It's all down to the fact that I took this medication or or I picked up this habit from my parents. And really, it's, it's just all of it. it. All of it is influencing your health um, because all of it you can change as well. So I, I explain this to people not to make them feel like doomed <laughs> because of something that happened that they can't change in their life, but to make them understand how it impacted them and what they could do now to perhaps address it and rebalance balance themselves and that's how it kind of works and um people found it interesting when i explained that and it's kind of the talk i'm now doing we're touring this year um so have a look out on the facebook page and on the newsletter we're going to be announcing dates where we're coming around doing some free talks and free training sessions leaving that bit to you (laughs) the fit one um and yeah basically so we can um kind of give help people sort of look at their own health story your snowflake story is what i call it when i'm presentations and blogs about it because no one could replicate because <laughs> <laughs> no, as in, so like what is health to you is a bit different to what is health to me there's some there's some obvious factors which we both yeah, need to do yeah. more of um you know meditation and things like that but kind of the foods that work for you um the nutritional supplements maybe that work for yeah. you are very different to what works types for me of training. types of training um routines even like you know i have been known to kick you out of the bedroom if you say you're going to get up at 4am i think i'm not going to get up at 4am if you don't mind so you can sleep on the floor in the lounge yeah, which I often prefer, to be fair. <laughs> the whole floor to myself. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So, we're going to have a little look at um, the functional medicine matrix, yeah? Yeah. Which is what exactly? So, just to give you an idea of uh, the difference between a kind of functional medicine approach or what a nutritional therapist might be doing um, versus what a GP will be doing. So, um, modern medicine kind of was based on, on very similar principles to um, functional medicine, but the way that health systems now work, where you go and see a doctor and you've got 10 minutes, um, they kind of don't have much of an option other than to give you something to treat your symptoms. Um, most of them do try, but in the space of 10 minutes, asking you about why you're depressed maybe um, and bear in mind you're kind of expecting to be given either some some counseling or, or therapy or you're expecting to be given um, antidepressant medication so they've kind of got a couple of options and if you turn up again next week and or eight weeks after the therapy saying it didn't work they can only really go well there's a um, you know an antidepressant medication try that So they can't talk to you about um, relationships and kind of your financial situation and how you manage stress that most of them may try, but, you know, it's very limited. And it's the same for gut health. Um, They don't have the chance to talk about um, things we're going to talk about in this podcast. So have you traveled overseas recently? Have you had any food poisoning? Um, Have you taken a course of antibiotics 
you know, what's your nutrition like kind of thing. They don't have that time. So um, what we do in, in functional medicine and, and in nutritional therapy is um, instead you get kind of, uh, most practitioners will give you a questionnaire uh, well in advance of your consultation, asking a lot of questions, uh, which I'm going to go through in a second. So they can get a picture of your health history and a kind of snapshot of you now and what symptoms you're experiencing, because then we can kind of track back and say, well, what's causing that? Um, the functional medicine matrix um, generally is looking at both sort of physiological and psychological health. And it's trying to, by looking at symptoms that you might be experiencing now, look at everything from, um, so for example, some of the categories are assimilation, which is um, your ability to digest and absorb your food, or communication uh, is another category. And that's looking at uh, everything from sort of neurotransmitter health to hormone health. So what's going on there? Have some imbalances occurred? Um, it looks at things like defense and repair, so that's like your immune system, um, the ability of the body to sort of recover, restore itself, detoxification, which is hugely important. Uh, again, we've talked about that on, on previous podcasts. And <clears throat> alongside all of this that's going on, we're also drawing um, kind of a, a sort of a timeline for the patient in terms of by asking lots of questions, uh, we're trying to get a picture of everything from how you were born, um, any medications, vaccinations that you were given throughout childhood, and then any sort of illnesses that you suffered. And all of these are giving clues. So you're kind of a bit of a health detective um, in functional medicine, nutritional therapy. And you're also then trying to build, um, in, when you're building this timeline of the patient, you're kind of looking at their story and trying to work out what are things like antecedents. So what were almost predisposing factors to somebody um, becoming or falling ill or suffering from symptoms. Um, and that could be anything from maybe preconception. So parents' health and the generations before you. We mm -hmm. might look at genes and possible genetic mutations. Um, it can be um, going through, we look at uh, also things like uh, triggers and drivers and mediators. And these are kind of, again, they can be a single event that might trigger a health issue. So for example, there's often something in, a, in, a, in the consultation process that we used to refer to as a never been well since moment. So you might say, uh, you know, I've never been well since I moved into that flat in <laughs> the flat we did actually live in, uh, in South London that was full of uh, uh, mould, for example. Yeah, really and you had, yeah, had a really bad damp problem, sorry. And our wardrobe was literally covered in, in um, green fur, wasn't it? All my shoes were covered in mould. Disgusting. Yeah, and both of us were really ill. I got a chest infection and you were just absolutely Absolutely. It was just one thing after another for you. Mm. It was like skin infections and constant colds and you would sneeze 20 times when you woke up. Um, so yeah, so for you, it'd be kind of that might be your never been well since moment. So we know that kind of that environmental change that took place like where you were living had a huge influence on your health and because you you would tell me and there was mold spores you know my clothes I'd be looking at well let's look at gut and immune health because that would have been severely compromised at this time um <laughs> I'm laughing so I remember you sneezing once like literally like a shoelace of snot kind of like <laughs> down and it was like almost at your belly button it's so much snot so yeah because you always stood at home yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. we had a piash yeah. yeah we weren't having a dinner party <laughs> anyway so that's kind of how that works and when we look at my maybe like drivers so um say you don't you don't for example um trying to think but say you were also if your nutrition was was very poor at that time mm -hmm. alongside this this compromised uh, sorry this this environment that was kind of affecting your gut health um <clears throat> and you were eating i don't know very sugary processed foods i'd know that your microbiome wasn't going to be that healthy um you might be a smoker as well and there'd be various things that i go and that's kind of driving this situation stress would be another one so that's what we do so we look at the person so you the listener now can sit there and say well you know 
I'm going to go through a question now which makes it a little bit more uh, specific, but those are kind of, uh, you can kind of sit back and start to tell your story um, for yourself. So, um, but the really exciting thing about functional medicine is um, on this matrix, which anyone can just Google functional medicine matrix, it will come up as an image. Um, you've got modifiable factors in somebody's life. And that's what I find really um I was really excited about when I first saw it. So um, you've got kind of this box that I can fill in as, an, as a practitioner in my consultation. That's things like sleep and relaxation, exercise and movement, nutrition, stress and relationships. And we can look at modifying that. We can give you advice and guidance on it. Like you just need to leave that husband of yours. He's a rat bag type thing. Not that I don't. <laughs> yeah, kind of straight in the recording. Yeah, you know, not like, oh, you need to sleep a little bit more. <laughs> Bosh. Yeah, yeah. Leave your husband. Leave your husband. <laughs> Before it, I see you again next week. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about what to do next. <laughs> Return with divorce papers. No, but it can be, you know, relationships can be hugely detrimental. And that's not just um, partners. You know, that's that's with parents, with siblings, with friends. Um, and people don't think of it as affecting their health. And it, and it really does. And Well, I think, like, you know, I mean, it's important to kind of obviously put it out there that, you know, we're not relationship counsellors or, or anything no, like no, that. No, no, no. However, like Keris said, you know, like your personal environment, i.e., you know, your partner, your home life and what's going on around you there has a huge role in your happiness. And, you know, and yeah. same with work. <clears throat> you know, people who, I mean, the amount of clients that we've worked with who, We've actually pushed them towards the decision, not told them to outright because it's not our place, suggested strongly that maybe they need to quit their job and find something else because their job was making them miserable. Yeah. It's all well and good, you know, yes, you know, you've 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 got to earn a living for sure, you've got bills to pay, fully understand it. But when you look at how much time, how much of your life you spend at work, <clears throat> if you're really not happy there for whatever reason, there could be so many different reasons, then, you know, something needs to change. Unless something can change within it so that you do enjoy it once more, then otherwise just walk away. There's other jobs out there. And we've had so many people, haven't we, that have actually, you know, gone with it. And they're like, my God, it was the best thing I ever I ever did. The weight off my shoulders the second that I left like, was just... I was a different person. Yeah, completely. I mean, our job, as you completely pointed out, we don't counsel people on these decisions. We kind of just highlight how they could be, those situations can be affecting your health and kind of encourage people to take a step back and go, is this what I really want to do? Is this what I love? Is, is it my passion if it's your job? Uh, similarly, with, you know, same thing with relationships, does it make a positive contribution to my health or is this kind of a relationship I need to limit my exposure to? That Those are the kind of things that we'll talk through with people um, and obviously refer to for, you know, counselling is one that I'm pretty much nearly everyone that comes to me, I kind of suggest rather than perhaps investing in personal training at this stage in your life, you might need some career counselling or you might need some uh, relationship counselling. There are other ways to get healthy that, that kind of aren't you, always... You can't out-train a bad relationship. You know? <laughs> People try. <laughs> Good run puts everything there. So, right. um, so we're obviously going to look at, so just know you're up on your screen there, uh, yeah. like a client questionnaire. Yeah. You know, and obviously the kind of questions you might ask someone to, to get a better idea of kind of where they're at, why they might be in the position that they are. And of course, it's you're collecting data essentially to work out what your best uh, approach would be with that individual, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but do you not find that most people that do come to you are still coming to you with that fat loss, aesthetic, 
goal. You know, I can't imagine anyone emailing you saying, Keris, I've got a feeling my microbiome is out of whack. <laughs> some people me, do. Me, me guts in bits. <laughs> no, some no, people do. I, I definitely need your help. <laughs> do you know what? It's about, a, I'd say it's about a 70-30 split in that you're right. Because we talk a lot about gut health and actually it's out there now as being part of fat loss, significance for fat loss. So people are going... I think it's me microbiome that stopped me losing weight you know so <laughs> first, but, it's, first it's your thyroid yeah yeah no now, it's, your now, microbiome. Now it's your microbiome but you're right the overriding um trend is always is always fat loss and um some people come to me with <laughs> three goals ask people to list three health goals and sometimes it can be like lose weight tone up get lean and i'm like aren't they the same thing <laughs> Just <laughs> like, a different word. yeah basically so um yeah, that is. But what the reason I love having a health questionnaire, and it's a bit different. I mean, as a personal trainer, you would kind of interview someone when I, when I did that. We both did that, and we'd look at food diaries. But actually doing a, a full health questionnaire allows me to learn so much about someone without them even telling me anything. Yeah. Um, so if, uh, for example, some of the first questions I ask, age, I don't even think I need to go into why that is relevant, but your nutritional needs change with age, especially for women, of course. And I'm, I'm really trying to explore... Um, the difference between a woman when she's gone through the menopause to uh, pre-menopause because I kind of think there's a different um, hormonal need there. So I just noticed you got age and date of birth on the questionnaire there. That's just so that I could really quickly... I need the date of birth to order Because there's that study, isn't it? If, you, <laughs> if, you, you if you're born say? between <laughs> March and October... Shut up. Increases your chance of being intolerant to, no. to bananas. No, I need the date of birth to order <laughs> functional tests for them. Oh, wow. And then sometimes I'm not really quick at... When I've, sometimes when I've glanced back at age, I like to have it there. Because originally I used to just have the date of birth and it's when age is going, how old are they? Have. Yes. Yeah, so they... We're working out what side of the year you're on. Does that make them 38 or are they 39? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just to say happy birthday on Facebook. Anyway, just going up to the next. Okay, so going on, the other thing I uh, have questions here we've got ethnicity, uh, height, and weight. Yeah. And so when. Um... Sorry, I'm just laughing because uh, I don't suppose you've ever seen that film where there's that guy who's going to like donate blood or is it like the doctors and he's filling out the form yeah he goes like name says his name out loud like he's doing it as he's you know she's like name with more age 19 sex hell yeah (laughs) yes please (laughs) that's so old anyhow um ethnicity uh is relevant because um certain ethnicities are more predisposed to uh different chronic diseases and also some of the studies coming through on genes have been looking at everything from vitamin d receptors to um another one is lactose uh tolerance and they know that like things like lactase persistence where you can digest dairy in, in um right into adult adulthood doesn't tend to exist in um amongst uh, asian so that really? kind of just gives me yeah so we know, we just know that that's that's relevant and obviously that there's kind of a higher risk of certain um inflammatory diseases as i mentioned um i have hate height hate and white <laughs> height and white because um i don't do bmi or anything like that i kind of use it as a very loose indicator um usually from uh, when i'm working with somebody i can kind of tell do they have a significant amount of, of weight to lose or, or not so much? Just from asking what their weight is versus their height and what they do, so if they're doing a lot of sports. Um, and that's just because I've worked as a personal trainer for so long. I've kind of got a, a rough idea now. I don't need 
I don't use any indicators. I don't find them that accurate. Right. Um, but what I, I what's quite interesting is um, if somebody puts on there that they want to lose quite a lot of weight or weight loss is their first goal, and I'm looking at them thinking there's about a kilo here that, like, at the most you could say they need to lose. My focus is going to be back to more kind of, um, you know, sort of body image, self-esteem, confidence, because they don't really need to lose a yeah. kilo. It's not going to make any difference to their health, yeah, realistically. Yeah. So that's useful for me to know. And if their weight changes frequently, that's on the questionnaire, because I kind of know, is there kind of is there yo-yo dieting, or is there issues with hormones going on, or are they, uh, <clears throat> is it like a water retention thing? Are people messing around with their carbs too much, or on purpose, maybe? Well, because I think as well, like, um, you know, I mean, this is just in my experience, like, because me as a man, I, my, my weight virtually does not fluctuate, <clears throat> excuse me, like, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much the same weight all the time, give or take a pound, yeah, maybe, you know, it's never in the kilos, you know, yeah. whereas I meet some female clients more so, weight sometimes fluctuates three, four, five, six kilos, you know, like across like a week or two week period, and I'm like, what the bloody hell is going on? And I get, you know, there's like, you know, menstrual cycle and, <laughs> and things like that. But I do find that women are a little bit more prone to massive restriction, yeah, massive overeating. Because yeah, I, I feel that don't it's get me wrong, a weekend weekday thing. Yeah, yeah. Because for me, I don't, I don't track calories. I don't, I don't track macros or anything. As you know, I've got a rough idea of what's in what, but. I couldn't tell you whether I was in what, what day I'd be in a calorie deficit, what day I'd be in a calorie surplus, because I'm sure there are days when I am in quite a big calorie surplus, but then I also think there are days when I'm in deficit, and it all kind of balances out a little bit. Hmm. Some days I probably expend more calories than others, and, and so on, but my weight pretty much stays the same, like I say, give or two give or take one or two pounds. Yeah, I mean, you're right. So for women, there would be a, a cyclical change in their weight with water retention as estrogen and progesterone kind of rise and fall at different times across the month. And that's, every woman knows that and kind of clothes will fit differently. Um, but yeah, I definitely see, tends to be like you just said, kind of um, they're binging followed by under eating, followed by I'm low carb and then sorry, I'm just going to eat all the carbs I, in that I can possibly see. Um, and usually people are very honest about this in a questionnaire when I kind of ask one of the first things I might ask is what have you tried in terms of losing weight what what methods have you tried approaches have you tried and there's normally quite a history there so that gives me a few clues as to whether they're kind of um <laughs> women are notorious for revisiting something that worked once uh, knowing that it doesn't work again because they tried it a few more times but it worked once and they go back to maybe the first thing you ever did that helped you to lose weight but I often explain to them that they've got a really different body now to maybe when they were 20 and they tried to go low fat and kind of, oh, yeah. it worked that time. Um, and then it didn't work anymore. And they kind of, you know, went off and tried other things and they go all the way back to that first thing that worked. So it's, um, yeah, women do form these attachments and these kind of patterns with, with weight loss where they'll go back to this one thing that, that worked for them once, be it, you know, like I said, running or low, low fat, low carb. So um, yeah, so that's really, really useful for me to know. And this might, the reason I'm explaining some of these points is, is you, the listener, might be sitting there going, oh my God, that's me. That's so me. So just um, to reiterate, your body changes in terms of, uh, you know, if you eat better, the microbiome changes, the hormonal balance changes. So um, you, it's not the same body. So you kind of, doesn't make sense to go back to something that was working for you 10 years ago that was possibly unhealthy. And you probably know deep down it was a bit unhealthy what you were doing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so moving on um 
Then I look at exercise and occupational activity level. Uh, again, this is a massive insight to me. The, the thing I see more than anything at the moment is just overtraining um, in that there's massive emphasis on, you know, five sessions a week at the boot camp and then I'm yoga and then I'm Pilates and then I'm walking 10,000 steps a day. Um, and there's a real focus here. It's like it's a priority for health. And then I kind of get to the nutrition at the back of the questionnaire and it's like didn't have time. So kind of it was a ready meal. It was a soup. It was a takeaway. <laughs> and, I, and the first thing I do with a lot of people is kind of encourage an exercise break so we can get nutrition in order first because it's 80 percent of your you know body composition if you've got that goal. But generally, I think it's just 80 percent of your health. If you think of how many times you eat across a week, you're going to make bigger wins there. So well, we've actually um I mean, don't get me wrong, like everyone that's in our Fit365 uh, membership group at the minute is getting awesome results. But um, one that I want to use as an example, because it kind of relates to what you're saying, um, is that she's lost like nine centimetres in a few weeks off of her stomach. Um, and that's without actual e- exercise. She's been walking daily as we, you know, we, we do promote daily movement, daily walking. Um, and she's just made changes to her nutrition, you know, invested a bit more time in meal prep, cooking some good. Um, she, she's actually in shock. She's like, I can't believe I'm getting this, these good results based on the fact that I'm not doing any of my usual training in the gym or, or anything like that. Yeah. And it just goes to show you, I'm not saying you shouldn't train. Of course, you know, people love to train. I love to train and it, it you know, it does play a role in, you know, health and fat loss. But as Keris mentioned, you know, your priorities should be elsewhere if you find that you're investing a ton of time in training, not enough time in the kitchen. Well, it's also, um, I wrote a blog about this saying it adds a layer of complication in a way. So if somebody's really confused about weight loss and have come to me for support and guidance, my first bit of advice is to kind of simplify things. Yeah. Uh, and so for some people, I will kind of say, right, we're going to do a month without any intense exercise or, um, you know, running, whatever it may be that they're kind of doing at the moment. Because one, they're using it to make poor nutritional choices or justify poor nutritional choices. And then secondly, it's kind of complicating the um, them finding their own natural um, sort of appetite and satiation levels um kind of working out how many times they need to eat a day and um when the you know various other things and it causes a lot of cravings because generally you're kind of depleting the body of nutrients and if you're doing intense stuff like hit training and kind of boot camps and high rep body weight stuff sprints your body's just going to want sugar after that yeah. so it's going to kind of constantly crave sugar and then some days you'll get up and you won't want to go, but you've kind of committed to it. So you'll, you'll net coffee to get yourself there. And all of these things are kind of derailing your natural hormonal balance. And then obviously, if you train at night, you could even be disrupting your sleep, um, which is again affecting appetite and body composition. So I'm kind of like, well, let's take this out. Let's get you to start focusing on stress management and good nutrition uh, and a nice uh, you know, sleep routine. And if you can master that for a month and you're getting results and you want to carry it on and carry it on for two or three months and then maybe gradually add back in, you know, because you might miss your friends at boot camp. So maybe just add two boot camp sessions in, maybe three, but you should be able to maintain all those habits that you've worked, you know, worked on for a couple of months. Yeah. Getting to bed early, relaxing, meditation, cooking your food. And then generally you're going to just lose weight in a much more sustainable way. So it might only be a couple of pounds a month. But that to me is working. And in the background, you're creating an entire lifestyle that keeps your body composition healthy for the rest of your life. And does all this stuff. It just makes you uber healthy. 
but yeah, like I said, with the people are getting confused about calories on a rest day and a training day and you know like what, what do I need pre and post workout and it's all conf- like more detail yeah which don't get me wrong it has its place yeah. but I think you need to be in a particular you need to be like you by the time you get to that to well, see that's what I mean. really like me no but you're you know what it, it is to eat healthy you can go two meals a day or three meals a day you know you're not kind of constantly overthinking it you don't count calories you don't count macros you don't need to mm. and you enjoy training but you don't overtrain. and so once you get to your point then you might want to start advancing nutrition with pre-post workout yeah. that so sort yeah of now, now the basics like yeah. we're always saying that yeah and i think as well like it's it's important to to, to kind of emphasize you know like don't don't stress about one thing like you know like exercise is great Eating well is great, you know, getting lots of sleep is great. But, you know, I think the one thing people probably obsess over the most is is exercise. Yeah. You know, and um, I think you, 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 you do put yourself in a real happy place when you can achieve, you know, that balance to where you don't feel an obligation to train. You don't feel guilty if you don't train. And, and that's kind of where where I'm at, you know, don't get me wrong, I, I do get itchy feet a bit when um, I haven't trained for a bit, but that's because I genuinely love training. Yeah. You know, I actually genuinely enjoy my time in the gym. Very rarely am I in the gym and think, I don't, I don't really want to be here today. But if that's the case, I, I leave. Yeah. You know, I don't cling on to it thinking, I must finish this session. You know, and that's not me pussying out. Like some days I'm just not in the right headspace. You know, I could potentially leave the gym in the morning because I'm not feeling it. And I might go back in the afternoon when I feel a bit better, or I might not. You know, sometimes I can go a week without training and just make sure I walk every day with you and Hamish and Yeah, you've got no attachments. No, it doesn't doesn't define you if you've trained that day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I I think that's the kind of, you know, I don't want anyone thinking we're anti exercise. (laughs) I think I come across that way sometimes, but you know, (laughs) you know, I still like, you know, I've got different, different head on my shoulders and I, but I love, walk in and I love yoga and it's funny I go through phases of, of playing with kettlebells still but I kind of um know that I have enough stress in my life with what I do as a job I do find it stressful there's a lot of pressure to be constantly learning and and kind of helping other people is stressful because you take on some of their um anxiety and stress and mm. you care about them so you come away from I come away from sessions thinking about my clients sometimes for long periods of time so kind of you know like a you know a 40 minute kettlebell session isn't sometimes isn't really what I need whereas a walk with Hamish in some woodland is just like exactly what I need so I'm just like you I still exercise I'm still burning calories but you know you make you make a bigger difference through nutrition anyway so it's kind of exercise Mm. is just basically you know the cardiovascular health and other stuff so what's that we always say don't we like what would you do if you couldn't train exactly you've got to be able to do something haven't you so you can't be you're not you can't be just like well Although most people, when they can't train, just go, well, sod it. There's no point and just yeah. eat, eat trash anyway. But, right, I'm going to gonna move on to other questions because you're going to tell me to hurry up soon. Can we give you the look? Yeah. Um, okay, then going through health history, I ask about um, how someone was born and whether they're breastfed and then childhood, teenage, uh, early adulthood, health conditions they might have had, including medications and uh, any times that they were um, hospitalised. And the reason I do that is um one uh, so so 
you as a listener now might want to go back and ask your parents a little bit about this. I also ask about um, grandparents and parents' health. Um, and generally what I'm looking for is any sort of uh, susceptibility to chronic diseases or autoimmune diseases that exist in within your family. Very useful information to know. Um, you'll often see autoimmune in particular uh, conditions where the body will attack a certain tissue or organ, track down quite clearly through the generations. So do you want to uh, give some examples of what I mean? Hashimoto's, which is um, when the body will start to attack the thyroid gland. Mm-hmm. Uh, very common. And often, when most of my clients say their mums were diagnosed with um, maybe not necessarily Hashimoto's, but some sort of like underactive thyroid. Because mm-hmm. um, there's different types. They can be just... When, you, when, the bodies, uh, when you're tested and there are antibodies against the thyroid, then you, are, you have Hashimoto's. But some right. people may have just been told they had, you know, just had a certain test that told them they didn't have enough thyroid hormone. Right. They may have had Hashimoto's, but it wasn't tested. So that kind of thing will track down. Um, and autoimmune conditions we've talked about a lot on here, but generally they, are, they can be really triggered by stress and environment and kind of changes. So actually traveling and moving to live in a different country because it's changing your um, gut microbiome and your immune system quite a lot. Yeah. So people might develop them through, again, going to a new job where I don't know, there's more chemical exposure, there was more stress, that sort, that sort of stuff. Um, and again, vitamin D is really important. So I'll often ask about um, kind of, you know, where you've lived and why and, and what, what was it like there if people have lived abroad. Just going back to the way that you were born, I'm sure we've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but um, if you're born, um, uh, generally if you're born naturally, so that's kind of uh, through the birth canal, through the vagina, then you will take in your mum's flora in your nose and mouth and that will help to populate your gut. And basically breast milk acts as kind of a prebiotic and is also passing on more um, um, probiotic bacteria. So you're getting, that's how you build the immune system from scratch. Um, and generally up until about, I think it takes to the age of four until your immune system is, is quite base, you know, quite, quite strong. Um, so when you're given things like vaccinations, I know it's incredibly um, controversial at the moment. I'm not going to kind of go into that, but I kind of ask about if you were given vaccinations at an early age, if you know what those were, mm-hmm. if you were given any antibiotics at an early age and why. Um, and just going back to how you're born, if it was cesarean, that you, if you're born uh, by cesarean C-section, then generally the first bacteria you're exposed to is the mum's skin flora, which is different. Um, and a presentation I went to, someone said, or oh, the person, the glove that got you out, <laughs> which would probably be sterile, so that wouldn't be anything. Um, so it's a very different uh, kind of start to the immune system. And it's thought that children born by C-section may be slightly higher risk of um, atopic conditions like eczema, asthma, um, sinus issues. So again, if I see that those have occurred through childhood, I'm kind of thinking um, maybe slightly immune compromised. However, you see all that in someone who's born naturally and breastfed. So it's not like a kind of foregone conclusion, all different things influence. And what you have in your first four years of life is quite important. So if you've had pets and things like that, generally your immune system is educated much more quickly and efficiently. Um, So... Uh, that's well, kind what, of what would you say though at these questionnaires? Because obviously you've got the questionnaires, lots of questions, and, and I'm not saying that any are necessarily less relevant than others, but what would you say the kind of the nitty gritties, you know, in terms of more information, if you like, that, that you feel is more commonplace to where the issue lies, if that makes sense. So well, of yeah. course, obviously how you're born, etc. Um, vaccinations, medication as a kid, you know, you, that, that they're quite big ones, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And they, 
But do you know what? They're hugely useful for me to... Hugely? (laughs) Hugely (laughs) useful. They're they're useful for me to educate the client about their health issues. Mm -hmm. So I have some people who come to me who would be what we would call um, TH2 dominant, where they have kind of asthma, eczema, sinus problems, hay fever. So um, generally, if they know that they were um, maybe cesarean born, maybe not, uh, not breastfed, uh, kind of had a lot of medications as a kid and uh, maybe born in quite a sterile environment. And when I talk this through with clients, some of them say, oh, I remember my mum, she bleached everything. She was really into kind of making sure everyone was really clean, that sort of thing. So it helps them to understand why they have those symptoms and then to kind of firstly not repeat the process with their children, which is really important. So you're kind of yeah. helping next generations. It also really helps me to try and explain why they shouldn't just suppress symptoms all the time with even over over the counter medications because there may be side effects to those so um some of the things like um inhalers and antihistamines um can all have kind of side effects that they should make themselves aware of um and actually understand that supporting gut function in the background on a daily basis with nutrition um, and maybe some supplements um like glutamine for example um could be really useful for them um sort of long term so they can manage um these things without having to resort to to medications necessarily so mm. it's a big kind of side of it that i do go into with clients just if i think it's relevant to them then i'll kind of explain it um and yeah and but then again it's only it's one of many components that i'll be talking to them about so it's i love the questionnaire but it's kind of like the it's, it's like reading a story about somebody would you would you say though that I don't know if i answered your question there by the way um, I can't remember what question was. Um, would you say that um, most of the people that do come to you, because obviously to to take this approach, a more kind of like naturopathic um, functional medicine approach to someone, um, is a bit of a, I suppose you could say, is a bit of a next level type thing, as yeah. opposed to just a general. Oh, you know, I just want to lose a bit of weight, tone up himself. Yeah. So would you say that most people that do come to you are those that have probably either tried quite a few different things, you know, and, and you know, failed or hit a massive plateau? Or would you say it's people that have maybe had problems or issues for a while, but ignored them until it got to the point where they're like, God, I just need to do something about this or... Yeah, it's kind of a mixture of both. Sense? A lot of a lot of people are now listening to podcasts, so they've kind of flagged up. Actually, I have got some gut things going on that I've just been trying to ignore. I've got some rashes that keep flaring when I'm stressed. That's not normal, but I'm kind of, you know, until they listen to a podcast, they don't realise the relevance of it. Yeah, yeah. And that possibly downstream, there's going to be bigger implications of kind of these are the warnings of inflammation. Yeah. The immune system's not happy. Um, then there's some people who have got totally overwhelmed with the weight loss side of things and just want someone else to do it for them. And there's people who kind of know that they do things badly. So they kind of rely on calorie restriction and, um, go in cycles of starving and then binging. So they want to get out of that and just know how to lose weight easily and sustainably. So it's kind of a, a mixture yeah, I mean, what I would say is something that um, we actually spoke to Tommy Wood about this and said so much of the information is in the front section of the second helping book. And <laughs> nobody wants to read it. I don't know why. But there is, I put so much effort into thinking, after all the consultations I've had, what would be the most useful bits of information? Yeah. And it is things like, well, if you generally eat from these foods and you hit your protein goal and manage 
consume carbs within kind of what we did with someone who's overweight, got a little bit of weight to lose and someone who's relatively healthy weight, kind of put your carbs in those ranges and stick to mainly healthy sources of fat. Um, and then we did a whole section and this was you that were like, actually, we need a whole section on lifestyle. So I kind of did the nutrition bit and you were like, I want to do 10 steps to live in healthfully. And it was things like how to eat, you know, like eat slowly, mm-hmm. use digestive aids like apple cider vinegar, um, get to sleep, make love, <laughs> manage stress. <You> know, <laughs> like, all that sort of stuff is so relevant because it's changing hormones. It's supporting gut function, absorption and assimilation of nutrients. But, you know, I just, um, there's a lot of people that haven't read it. A lot of people that we've, we've just been on a couple of tours and people are like, oh, I love, I love that recipe. I love that soup. I love, um, I think for example, I love Snicks in a Twist. And, and that's great that they love the recipes. But the front section is so valuable. And, I, and it was written based on me working with loads of people, going to countless lectures and days of lectures. And I kept seeing the same patterns come through. And I was like, kind of, people just could nail this. You know, you're kind of 80, 90% there, really. Oh, gotcha. I mean, we've always said, haven't we? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's always a, it's a slow change as well. You know, you can't, you know, no one can just go, right, I need to walk more, I need to get to bed earlier, I need to eat slower, eat better foods. But look how easy those changes you just listed were. Like, over going to boot camp and taking shed loads of supplements. You say that, but it's, it's easy to list them. Not you as know, easy to do. Yeah, but isn't it crazy that that is hard for people? That's Do you not think that's a bit crazy? Yeah, I do. People would rather go to boot camp and go to bed early. You know, habits take a while to change. Yeah. You know, and, and even little things like going to bed earlier. For a lot of people that are used to staying up till midnight watching TV. Yeah. To then saying, well, actually, we went to go to bed. That's, that's quite a big change. Because I actually had a conversation with someone the other day who, you know, works, has kids... Etc. And by the time they get home, have dinner, put the kids to bed, shower, prepare their food for the next day, it's near enough ten o'clock, and they were like, "For me to go to bed, then you know, my, my, I'm still buzzing, and I almost need like an hour of TV, mindless TV, just to unwind my mind and chill out a little bit." And I thought, Do you know what, I, I get that. Yeah, no, I get that. You know, and, yeah. and I'd actually rather that person do that than go to bed before 10. Yeah, but I'd rather do <laughs> Yeah, but then equally, you know, you know, TV can be very yeah, relaxing. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. You find it more relaxing than I find it more relaxing. Like, if I'm That's because you like can't a... read. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can read. <laughs> For the record. <laughs> it's just got to have a lot of pictures and big words, big letters. <laughs> yeah, but I can't read very, I can't read very quickly. Well, I can, I can read quickly, but I like to I like to really absorb the information. <laughs> Keris asked me to proofread one of her blogs the other day because she kept uh, uh, spotting like mistakes, like as you do when you've kind of like read your own yeah. words a million times. And she was like, "Bloody hell! Like, are you, are you still proofing that?" I was like, "Well, yeah." About an hour later, you were still looking at the screen. <laughs> I was like, "Made breakfast, washed up." I, I, I can't have floor. it all, Keris. I told you, I can't have it all. It'd be, it'd be unfair. It'd be unfair. <laughs> Um, yeah, so no, so. I get that. I get the um, and it, I do sit with some clients, and we try and work out a way that they can kind mm. of mitigate the effects of that. And um, and like you, as long as that, that hour is spent doing something they they wholly love and a bit selfish, then yeah, I'm all for it. And then I do kind of, but I also do say, if you kind of batch cook to the weekend, would that save you a bit of time in the week? Yeah, um, potentially. And, and so so if you 
you know, half an hour up earlier, maybe at the weekends. Um, not that I want to take away from family time and stuff, but we do kind of look at strategies where they could make yeah. a bit of a difference and get to bed a little bit earlier or relax, have more downtime in the week. Or even little things like I know this sounds uh, this is incredibly simple, but the amount of people that weren't didn't realise that they were actually like watching TV at night, but they've still got the light on. Yeah, so taking the lights down, turn the light down, turn yeah. it off. Even invest in some salt lamps like we've got, which are amazing because they're just so ridiculously calming. Oh, just having that kind of like orangey pink Glow. dull light, you know, it's just really cozy. It's really relaxing. Spot on mindless TV, you know, that's a really nice end of the day. Oh, do you know what else I'd add to that? Smooth FM. So we had um, we had some friends over the other night, and um, that's actually Emma Myhill. You can say it was, and uh, she had a little baby Frankie with her, and he would, he'd fallen asleep on the sofa, and we had the the salt lamps on, and Smooth FM was on, and not all of us could not get over the amazing songs that were coming on. It was things that you've not heard for some years, classics, like Simply Red, Holding Back the Years, You Before Yeah, and we were all kind of like swaying, and <laughs> that sounds a bit weird, but like yeah. you couldn't help but. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no but you can help but like relax and kind of yeah. remember back to it was all classics from 80s 70s early 90s it was lovely 70s so, <laughs> you don't remember that never heard of it <laughs> um right so just uh moving on to um i also asked people to tell me about any supplements they're taking usually we have to have kind of a 10 minute session where i talk about uh whether those supplements are kind of helping them and um, looking at the the quality of them, which is really important. We've talked about this on podcasts. Pharmaceutical grade is best, which means it's kind of subjected to batch testing and it's got the right cofactors in there and the right form of a mineral. Whereas if you're buying from high street, especially things like oils as well, they're, they're not really looked after, so they can tend to be rancid and maybe doing you more harm than good. Um, so again, we'll go through brands and, and even dosages can be relevant. Um, and people can be taking doses at the wrong time. They might be taking their vitamin D at night, which can cause problems with sleep because obviously it's something that we don't tend to have in the morning. They might be, um, uh, taking, uh, recently someone's taking huge amounts of ascorbic acid, which is vitamin C that's not, uh, it's in a certain form that's quite, uh, can be quite aggressive to the gut. And they were wondering why they had really loose bowel movements and they were sipping powdered vitamin c all day long <laughs> so, um, whereas so i swapped them to a buffered and said you also don't need this much vitamin c possibly um so just little changes like that can be made what else is on my questionnaire um uh, for, for the ladies i'll then go through cycle length of the cycle any symptoms that they have around their cycle which kind of give me gives me clues as to whether there's um maybe some kind of um estrogen issues going on that's, mm-hmm. that's really relevant skin is another thing i ask a lot about um, somebody said, I can't remember what's the saying, like skin is like the mirror of health or something. Did you say that once? I can't remember. Well, I, I remember when I, uh, I remember it was in the seminar in Dubai and um, we, I spoke about skin quite a lot. And I was saying how actually you, you, someone's face primarily kind of speaks like a thousand words about them sometimes, yeah. you know, and I don't mean about how good looking or ugly they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that just is, it is what it is. Um, and it's a matter of opinion. Um, but more so, you know, spots, bags under the eyes, you know, are they looking quite pale or their skin's looking quite dull? You know, that for me, like, speaks volumes because, and we actually said this, didn't we? Like, when you go to, um, like, sometimes, like, a lot of these expos where there's a lot of these, like, like let's use guys as an example, who from the neck downwards, like, look from phenomenal, like, muscly, lean, 
you know, look the part, but then you look at their face and they look very... Uh, the teeth are hanging, very, 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 <laughs> rattling very, around. Very, very <laughs> tired, bags under the eyes, spots. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that could just be related to so many things, you know, be it, you know, their, their nutrition might not be quite right, despite how their body looks. You know, they're, they're probably favouring getting an extra few training sessions in over optimal recovery. Um, you know, what we tend to see, with, especially with guys that are on a so-called uh, mass gaining diet, you know, a lot of people will just quite simply just choose calories over nutrients. Yeah. You know, they're consuming lots of like extra calories from really heavily processed sources. Let's let, let's use the word toxic. You know, people can yeah. become quite toxic through the foods that they're eating. And, and it's funny because look at their physique and you, without their face and you think, oh, that, that person's in fantastic shape. Yeah. They look really healthy. Then you see their face and you're like, oh, That's absolutely. why they all use the fake tan though, isn't it? <laughs> the fact that they look, well, no, the, they feel like crap. The, the, the fake tan is actually because of the lighting on stage. Oh, okay. Just, just so you know, I, I've got to stick up for them there. Um, like that's if, you know, that's if they're competing. Yeah. But, you know, even just kind of like just general... You know, people that just love to train, you know, uh, you know, they're not necessarily going to be getting on stage or dieting down or anything like that. I see it a hell of a lot. But do you know what? It's actually, as a, as a practitioner, one of the things that loads of people have written to me and said, oh, you know, they're thinking of getting into the industry, which is which is awesome because there needs to be more people doing this. But one thing I say is you, you have to kind of be um, good at um, like a bit of a detective in terms of, yes, you're digging for information in their health history and you're trying to think of, you know, pick up clues as to as to that person now and why they suffer from these these health issues. And the other thing that you, you do is a quick assessment of, like you've just said, so body composition, skin. Uh, but other things, just someone's eyes can tell a lot about whether they're healthy, hmm. um, their body language. I've had clients unable to make eye contact with me in the consultation. Um, so you're kind of looking at behavioural things going on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be able to spot a good liar because um, some people like to be, it's not that they lie, but they're selective with the truth. And yeah, we yeah. all do this. I do this. <laughs> I recently deferred my kind of nutrition to someone else and gone, just sort me out. I think I'm being a bit selective here. With like, I think, you know, I eat really, really well, but I think there are some changes I need to make and I, I just need someone else probably to tell me that. Accountability. Yeah, basically accountability. But so recently one person I saw came in and I couldn't um, believe how she kind of had these really big shadows under her eyes. Um, and then we talked about her health history and she'd been on pain medication, hefty amounts of it for at least, I don't know, 10 years for various different conditions. Um, and I kind of could see it already in her. I mean, that could also be things like lack of sleep and stuff, mm-hmm. but she just, I just kind of knew looking at her, I was like, this looks like God, you need like you look like you need a bit of a detox and just several things going it's on. Holiday. It just didn't look well, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, the the skin is a big one for me. For and a lot of people. Can, can I just give another example? Actually, well, I was going to say like because I don't want it to sound like I'm just kind of like a bad mouthing like guys that trade and whatever and say that they all look like crap. That wasn't the point I was trying to make. I was just saying that that the physique and the face can paint two very different pictures. Yeah. Um, and something that was relevant to me was quite, quite a few years ago now, it was actually before I met you, and I got food poisoning um, after a holiday, really quite bad, you know, the usual vomiting, crapping, whatever. It's but, all right, you know, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but, which, you know, is normally out of your system in a few days or so. But that kind of um, 
uh, food poisoning led on to like, other infections. And... So it's a never been well since moment for you. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened was is that I then, because I, I, I couldn't eat because I wasn't keeping anything down. So I was obviously a bit a mal- malnourished. And I erupted in ulcers in my mouth yeah. and also on my throat. So I, I physically couldn't chew or eat food. So I basically went on to a, a liquid diet of like soup. and But of course, it wasn't just soup. It was can, cans of Coke, yeah, yeah. Um, milkshakes, things like that. This was like pre-fit food days, clearly. So any calories that I were, was getting weren't necessarily coming from the best sources. So you can imagine I'm not eating... I'm not training or anything like that. I lost a lot of weight. But the funny thing was, is because I'd lost weight, I got leaner. I was already already relatively lean. I was actually looking quite shredded <laughs> because, you know, I was in a huge calorie deficit. Everyone was telling me how great I looked. <laughs> and I was like, look at my face. Like, I look like shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's all about but, physique. But people would see me, like, uh, in the gym because I'd be working and I'd have, like, a relatively fitted t-shirt on and like maybe arms on show it was like you look so lean you look you look amazing i don't like <laughs> i feel horrendous you know and i couldn't wait to obviously eat again and put on a bit of meat on my bones yeah. but but it is isn't it funny how that's what people see as health like a ripped physique or or whatever you know but you know i could have had all spots on me for argument's sake and i probably did back then as well as well yeah. as looking really quite gaunt yeah just funny, this is uh, slightly off track, but relevant. I read a book called Eating Myself, uh, where this woman talks about how she had a history of disordered eating. And uh, she said, like, the best I ever looked was when I got um, flu. I think it was, like, flu followed by food poisoning or something like that. 14 days, could barely eat. And then she's, like, dropped to seven stone. And she said, um, like, for her, that was the best she ever looked. Because cause that was her goal, and that was what she thought was, like, I suppose you couldn't say healthy, but like her whole thing was just revolved around body composition. And so many people commented on her physique at that time that she then became obsessed with seven stones. Wow. That's the other thing, isn't it? People think it's pluck, pluck a number out of the air. Yeah. I want to be this weight. Yeah. Um, right, we digress. We have. Stress is my next section that I ask about. And uh, to anyone listening here, again, it's an area that everyone puts on the back burner and can make such a big difference. Yeah. Again, if it's a body composition goal, stress is going to hinder results. Uh, stress is going to drive poor nutritional choices. Generally, it's going to make you crave caffeine, sugar, um, <clears throat> sort of kind of derail you at the weekend, possibly. And a point that we're all making, everyone's saying this now, I remember Thomas saying at the Academy with us, is that there is no, nothing has power to stress you, really. It's how you perceive it. Yeah. Um, and I constantly repeat this to myself now. Um, just walking with Hamish this morning and he wouldn't walk to heel and I was getting absolutely like like proper angry and uh then I was kind of like this is, I'm the only one that's choosing to see this as stressful like I could just stop every time he pulls I'll stop it took me ages to get to the park but it works you know like you kind of breathe and um another thing that um I've been saying to you is, is getting offline early now for me it's going to be a big thing but again this is what I look at with with people they often tell me that they they're on their phones late at night checking work emails. Yeah. Um, they're kind of maybe supporting family through a hard time as well, or they've got stressful jobs. Um, so again, I ask a lot about what stresses people, what their stress levels might be on a scale of one to ten. Um, all very useful in terms of me prioritizing what recommendations I make for them. Moving on, digestion. I ask about. I get them. I want to know if your bowels move daily. That's really important. Um, and then the type of, of stool that you pass. What your poo looks like. Yeah. So they get a picture of the Bristol stool scale, and I ask them to answer that. Keep a poo diary. <laughs> <laughs> 
bring samples next time. <laughs> no, don't. Send pictures. <laughs> and then I ask questions. Tend to do this more detailed in person because it's it's people, you know, kind of. Um, it's just easier in person, but I'll ask a lot of questions about uh, bloating, any foods that they think don't really sit well with them, um, anything, um, any issues of sort of food poisoning, um, any bugs that they might have had. And it's interesting that, that, that um, women tend to be quite aware of this. Men, not so much until it gets to a point of, of severity with them. Yeah. Like men do tend to, you say this all the time, men uh, both men and women eat too quickly these days and don't chew their food. I think that's across the board. Yeah. Everyone is doing that because of stress, I think, drives that. And we're like, I haven't got time to eat, so we'll just wolf it down. Um, don't don't breathe properly when we eat and, and get the body producing all the digestive It's like we say, don't we? It's, and... it's not necessarily what you ate, it's how you ate it. Like, <laughs> no, it's true, though. Because... No, I <laughs> I've never heard you say that before. Maybe I just made it up just then. <laughs> we'll keep that for the future. It's quite good on that, isn't it? Um, no, because it's, I, I use this example before when I've like, you know, I could eat the same lunch yeah. two days in a row, yeah. you know, sweet potatoes, chicken, some salad, you know, all the good stuff. And one day it could be when I'm pretty chilled, I eat nice and slow, I take my time, I enjoy the meal. Another day it might be that we're working on a deadline, I've only got a short break, I wolf that meal down really quick whilst kind of like doing emails on my phone with the, with yeah. the other hand. And, you know, and it blokes the hell out of me and then I'm fine, like a good, and, yeah. you know, and I don't feel particularly hot. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that's just as an example, like don't necessarily be quick to blame what you ate. No, no. no you know, think, think of the, the circumstances in which you ate it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, um, I, I honestly think people can make big differences just by doing that. But, you know, kind of some people want to have information on supplements and stuff. But like you, I always kind of go back and go, well, so the supplements are expensive. Eating slowly costs nothing. Chewing yeah. your food costs nothing. Maybe even give yourself a, a chomp target of like <laughs> ten chomps before you swallow. <laughs> I think. Well, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> but um, I completely lost my train of thought. Now you're making me laugh. Um, poo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so kind of ask ask a lot of questions um, generally about about digestive health. Uh, what I'm about to say was uh, so so with men. They do tend to think that a lot of digestive symptoms are quite normal. So, you know, like burping and farting, it's funny, it's a blokey thing to do. And then kind of it gets really bad. Um, and then they end up with kind of more serious issues that if they backtracked a little bit um, and kind of stopped drinking fizzy drinks and mm. eating takeaways and, and uh, you know, really sort of neglecting their nutrition could have been stopped a lot earlier. And yeah. they kind of, you know, they may get to a point of real serious damage. So, yeah, it's just... And then they do, generally, it's just an education thing. You know, they just don't make that connection of, this is quite bad for me and I'm really going to yeah. suffer at some point. Um, in terms of... Um, I also look at energy levels where I'm basically asking about hormone health um, in terms of insulin health. So I ask about if you wake up energised or tired, if you have energy dips through the day, cravings you might get, um, and then kind of what time you're going to bed and, and whether you get restful sleep or you're waking through the night, which mm -hmm. again is all kind of relevant. Um, and then obviously the question I ask is, is nutrition. So I ask about um, breakfast, lunches and dinners, the timing of your meal, which is significant, and uh, whether it changes over the weekend, which again, it, most people really changes over the weekend and sometimes i'll see like the perfect food diary up until the weekend and then mm. it's like wow could you possibly undo that anymore in two days yeah, I mean, that's like <laughs> a lot of people. people yeah and what's really 
sad about that is kind of Monday to Friday, you're probably just getting hormones in check and really putting lots of nutrition in your body and then almost draining it at the weekend in terms of derailing hormones. And some of that stuff will really use up a lot of your essential nutrients to kind of detox and correct itself. So, you know, you're kind of fighting a losing battle against yourself in that sense. Yeah. So that is kind of the, the detail that I get off people. And then obviously the, the discussion itself is kind of based on... on In a nutshell, that, yeah. that, that was <laughs> That's it. it. <laughs> so I always spend an hour with someone and sometimes I'll go off for another hour or two kind of researching um, medications, what I want to do with that person, foods to help them, um, nutritional supplements and kind of dosages. And, you know, it's uh, I don't take on that many uh, private clients because I like to put in a lot of time and energy. And so often I'm emailing... Emma Myhill and um, Dr. Tommy Wood for a second opinion, um, especially complex cases where people are taking medications as well. Um, you know, I always want kind of a, a professional opinion on those. So, so that's not to, something a GP can do. To, really. to, kind of, to kind of wrap up, you know, because that was that was a lot of information, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, and of course we've gone through different points of the questionnaire in a bit of detail, etc. So some people might be a bit like, oh my God, like no, this I is... No, I, I think we, we talk it through because people are going to find it interesting and have no, no, moments I, of realisation. I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. No, no, what I mean is but, don't, don't come away from this thinking that you need to do anything yeah, yeah. instantly. Yeah. But that's, this is what I'm trying to say because, you know, we, we're not saying this to, to overwhelm people and thinking, you know, it could be this, it could be that, it might be that, I've been doing this wrong all this time and I knew that was a problem and I didn't do anything about it. Ugh. Like people can get in a bit of a tease. But I, I think if you've listened to this properly, you'll come away and think, I need to sleep more, eat nutrient-dense foods, chill out. Well, this is what I was going to say, if you let me ask my question. <laughs> Sorry. Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> was, you know, from that, based on the people you see, you know, the, the, the greater ratio... Of, of the people that you see that have probably got quite similar goals and probably similar issues you know don't get me wrong like we're all very individual all got probably very different reasons why we want to you know see you you know what we want to achieve from seeing you i'm sure there's similarities yeah. quite, you know oh, yeah so what would you say what what are the the kind of big free focus points you'd want people to come away with from this and probably based on what you tend to advise most people to do do you know one of my biggest failings as a practitioner is I can overwhelm people because I want to give them loads of information so they kind of rely on me and I don't want them to feel like they've got to constantly um you know sort of come back to me for for more and more information I kind of want to help everyone in in big doses yeah um and so I I I would say up front it's kind of make Change. Which isn't which isn't really the best way to go, is it? Most of the no, time. No, no, and I, do, I kind of I don't have much choice with some people because some people can only afford one session with me, and I kind of want to make sure. Just want to be generous with the knowledge and yeah. really get the most Spreading out of it. The love. Yeah, but I can I can understand they might come away and go, "Wow, it's a lot of information." But I kind of think they've got notes to keep reading over and over again for for the next ten years if they want to. Um, and really, nutritional therapy does work better on a kind of month by month basis, but it's people can't all afford it, so it's an expense. And I understand that. Um, I would say for one month, I always, I'd kind of love everyone to do this. And at some point, I, I do keep saying to you, I'm going to write a longer term program that people could do online with me, which is um, eat nutrient dense foods. So kind of look at your plate every meal. And uh, the more kind of from nature it comes, you know, kind of paleo ish, um, loads of color on that plate. Um, that's your nutrition for one month. And it's three meals a day, one snack in the, in the afternoon. Um, 
and you uh, walk every single day and you try and get eight hours sleep. And if you can do that consistently for a month, um, then the next month I might say, let's add in um, 10 minutes of meditation. If you're going to yoga, you already have a nice 10 minute meditation at the end, but maybe you need an app or, you know, set a little reminder on your phone to go and just go somewhere quiet for 10, 10 minutes each day. Month three, we all get dogs because they're, <laughs> they're just awesome and they'll always make you be helpful. No, I'm joking. Uh, but yeah, you kind of walk through it with people. And um, the bit that people often need my help with, and I understand that, is um, um, is sometimes accountability, accountability, definitely supplements and definitely kind of personalizing nutrition um, towards their goals. So if a woman has a fertility goal, it's very, um, I might suggest very different macronutrients to somebody who's got kind of a, um, just a general fat loss fat goal, loss goal yeah. yeah so uh, and if a woman has come to me with a history of kind of not eating enough and amenorrhea for example I get a lot of uh, women with that nowadays just because I've given I've talked through my story again my recommendations for meal timings and calories would be yeah, very yeah. different to somebody who's kind of in a cycle of maybe overeating so that's that really helps um, <clears throat> a lot of my clients to have that kind of um, personalization and it is something I do try and offer to the members in 365 as well. So if someone posts up their story, I'll kind of go in and go like, here's three tips for the next month. And often it is kind of, they've gone down a path of like this exercise regime or, you know, this morning um, protein smoothie, is it the right one for me? And I'm kind of like, wait, 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 there's there's bigger yeah. wins Chill. to be made. Chill. Yeah, yeah, no, there's bigger changes that will make, uh, easier changes that will make a bigger difference. So in 365, we do try and give, um, everyone gets meal plans and, we, and I try and go in and help them personalize it a little bit. So I've got lots of um, vegetarians in there who want me to write a vegetarian meal plan, which I will do. Um, I don't think everyone's were sort of very well uh, necessarily predisposed to be a, a good vegetarian. Mm. It's not in everyone's genes, but if you obviously for ethical reasons, then, you know, you can support that as a practitioner yes. and say, you're going to need these supplements probably. So I think to, to kind of wrap it up, because we've gone on, haven't we? Yeah. Look at us. <laughs> um, but all important stuff, guys. Um, we took on a load of new members to Fit365 in January, of course, New Year's resolutions and all of that. And, you know, we kept kind of like saying everything we've just said, you know, here, you know, let's try and simplify things a little bit. Let's focus on the basics first. Don't go health forever. Don't go doing things that you, you know deep down you won't be able to sustain long term. But, of course, everyone's fired up. It's the new year. They want to go hell for leather. They want to go all guns blazing. And they do, which is great. But soon, February comes around, and now all of a sudden the posts are very different, and people are very much like, right, yeah, um, I can't maintain the training regime I was doing. Yeah. I feel really low on energy now. Actually, I definitely don't think I was eating enough to fuel. Just a massively relevant point on the radio this morning. So the 23rd of Feb today, there was a, apparently, I can't remember what day it was. It's either today or this week is you are most likely to fall off your New Year's diet. Really? Exactly this week or today. I can't remember. Mm. I was half listening with one ear. <laughs> I just heard them say, this is the, this is the time that you'll, you'll fall really? off the wagon. Yeah. So I think most people can sustain it. I wonder how they it. found out that information. I don't know. It's good to, I think because they can probably sustain it for six weeks. But then everyone's going, oh, there's so many cream eggs in the shops right now. Yeah. <laughs> Mini eggs and stuff. But, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, that is that is my point. You know, if you are time and time again falling off that wagon, you know, middle of Feb, end of Feb, whatever, you know, chances are it wasn't it wasn't right for you in the first place. Um, and that's kind of like what we're working with people. But it's, I say that, it's more actually a realisation from them saying, actually, 
you you lot were right. <laughs> I did try and do too much. I yeah. did try and change too much. But actually, I'm now going to change things that are a bit more within my control, i.e. a little walk around the block after dinner or going to bed 30 minutes earlier, chewing my food properly and not having my phone with me whilst I'm eating my dinner. Little things like that. Like yeah. Really basic, practical changes that you know don't cost any money but can have a huge, huge impact. And I think that's the... Whilst we've gone through a lot of info there, that's to obviously just paint the picture that there is more to health, fat loss than simply your nutrition and your exercise. There's so many variables that we need to, need to consider. Um, and that's, of course, what Keris does so damn well. Do you know what? I just, just going back to phones when you were saying about coming off your phone, I actually think this Trying is... Trying to wrap the episode up here. I love. know you are, but I was just going to say, other than listening to Fit Food Radio, I'd say starting to cut down the time you've on your phone is... We've talked about this before with with such friends as well about how it's making us so antisocial and so awesome, almost socially inept. I'll tell you what, I'm going to leave it with this one, right? <laughs> we had this conversation. We was in Edinburgh the other week and we were walking around the town because we were trying to find somewhere to eat. Every restaurant we walked past, and we noticed this, about 80% of the people in these restaurants were on their phones. They sat down at a table, you know, and it was, you, it, it, whether it be friends, couples, whatever, 80% of the restaurant, I was like, oh, look at this lot, just glued to their phones, not engaging in conversation. Whereas and, you were taking a picture of your food. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, to be fair, when I get one out, he's normally taking a picture. Um, but then when we walked past a few pubs, I, I said to Keris, I said, look at this, though. I said, at least in a pub, people are chatting, they're socialising, yeah, they're interacting. You know, I wonder and, what it is. And, and, and I think there's just something to be said for, you know, why I think it's okay to have the occasional drink because I think it's more, there's much more to it social than just having a, a drink. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you interact, yeah. you laugh, you release feel good hormones, you know, like you feel good hormones. <laughs> <laughs> Depends where the drink leads. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, so. You know, like, uh, what, what was my point? Get down to the pub. Go for a drink. <laughs> Have a couple of bevies. Leave your, phone out, uh, leave your phone at home, leave it in your pocket, whatever. But, yeah, that was just an observation, and we, we couldn't believe it, could we? No. Like, fancy going out for dinner, and you're just on your phones. And you see it all too often. And don't get me wrong, like, we are guilty occasionally because we've gone out for a meal and then, I don't know, some emails have come through, but then if we didn't actually have our phone on or whatever, then we wouldn't have known in the first place. Yeah. But but it very rarely happens. But, yeah, we couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Just The, the, the restaurant was just lit up with phone screens. <laughs> uh, but anyway, guys, um, if you do have any questions regarding uh, working with Keris one-to-one, uh, of course, get in touch, info at fitterfood.com or message us on the Fitter Food page. Uh, you know, we'll get back to you there. Um, you know, even if you, you know, there's no obligation, guys, if you just want to kind of get in touch, have a brief chat with Keris on the phone, uh, just to discuss whether it is even an option that, that would work for you. Um, and like I said, there's no obligation. It's just to get a good idea of, of where to go moving forward. Also, guys, if you do love listening to Fit Food Radio, please, please, please leave a review. Um, subscribe to Fit Food Radio on iTunes and, and share it with anyone that you feel would uh, get some value from this. Um, have an awesome day, guys. And thank you once again for listening. Yeah? Yep. Bye. Bye.